of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Got some new bumper music this Advent, of course. Can't go around with normal bumper music in the middle of this holy season. No, this bumper music is some of uh, my favorite Christmas music. Brand new album. You can get it over on iTunes, or if you want a physical copy, those exist They still do exist. You can get that at wesleyputnam.org. That's W-E-S-L-E-Y. And Putnam is spelled just like my last name. Funny thing that. uh, Of course, the album is My Father's. Brand new album. uh, just, Just out at Thanksgiving. So if you want a copy... And of course, lots of people do want copies. I've, uh, it's playing nonstop throughout the offices here uh, where I, I work in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at a local parish because a couple of my uh, compatriots heard me playing it in my office and uh, clamored for their own copies. And so uh, I, I had uh, to get them those copies. They got them at wesleyputnam.org. And uh, you can get one that same way, or you can be really, really, really lucky and you could be uh, the winner of today's giveaway. Of course, I'm going to give away a copy of that CD. We're going to try to send it out and get it out to you by Christmas. And here's the way you win. See, now we're going out of order, aren't we? Yes, we are. But that's because we've got a great conversation. I want to leave all the time we have for the conversation later. And so the way that you're going to do this, I'm going to put up a post on Facebook. If you were to go right now, at this moment, you would find that post on Facebook. And it's going to say, we're giving away a CD and it's going to have the picture of the CD, maybe a video. I'll have, I'll put the video uh, preview up of that CD. And in the comments, all you have to do is comment on that Facebook post. It's got to be the Facebook post and tell me what your favorite Christmas carol is and why. What's your favorite Christmas carol and why? And we will pick the winners from among those respondents and uh, get that CD out to you. I'll remind you towards the end of the show, as well, how you can win that CD. If you don't win, of course, I want you to go over to either iTunes or to wesleyputnam.org and order a copy for yourself and for your family and for your friends and for your neighbors and just about anybody you can think of. Uh, Add this to your Christmas collection. Well, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking a little bit later in the show with Dale Alquist. He's the president of the American Chesterton Society. And we're going to be talking about a number of issues pertaining to Advent, but not pertaining to a Christmassy kind of Advent, pertaining to this idea that we are stuck in between Christ's first coming, the already, and his second coming, the not yet. We have received the promise of Christ and already, right? But we have not yet received the fullness of that promise, the fullness of redemption in which not only humanity, not only us individually, but all of the cosmos, even the earth itself, 
will be redeemed. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, caring for the earth, about stewardship. Don't go anywhere. Don't run away. No, no, it's not. It's not really a scary topic. Come back. Turn the radio back up. Yeah, we're going to talk about stewardship of the earth and what our position is, what our job is uh, in terms of caring for the environment, caring for the earth, caring for the cosmos. As God created the heavens and the earth by his word and by forming it, and then he gave, he gave stewardship of the earth to the man to tend the garden. So that's our job, to tend the garden. And we have to, uh, to do that in a responsible way. That show We're going to talk about that later in the show with Dale Alquist. Now, before we get there, we of all, always, of course, have to start with prayer. Uh, we start with readings from Scripture and from church history. So today our readings are going to come from tomorrow, right? Because it's my show and I can do what I want. So we're reading from the third week of... Uh, of Advent, third Sunday of Advent, which is the pink candle. It's the rose candle, if we're going to use proper terminology, the rose candle. And it it is the week that we celebrate joy. You know, we, we have this anticipation of Christ's coming, and yet here we have this, this one moment still waiting, still anticipating, and yet we celebrate. Uh, it's called Gaudate Sunday, uh, and we are going to leave it at that. If you want to do more research on why it's called Gaudate Sunday, just Go Google it. Google is your friend. Uh, But now, just for time's sake, we're going to go ahead and start in prayer. God, the Almighty Father, stretches forth his hand again to take possession of the remnant of his people. Let us make our prayer to him. Lord, may your kingdom come. Lord, grant that our works of penance may please you, and that we may be ready for your kingdom, which is so near. Prepare a path in our hearts for the coming of your word, and let his glory be revealed among us. Bring low the mountains of our pride and fill up the valleys of our weakness. Break down the wall of hatred that divides nations and make level for mankind the paths to peace. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father of love, you made a new creation through Jesus Christ, your Son. May his coming free us from sin and renew his life within us. For he lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Our first reading, which of course comes from tomorrow's readings, the third Sunday in Advent. The first reading is going to come from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3. Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Sing joyfully, O Israel. Be glad and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has removed the judgment against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You have no further misfortune to fear. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Be not discouraged. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty Savior. He will rejoice over you with gladness and renew you in his love. He will sing joyfully because of you as one sings at festivals. That reading comes from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3. Our responsorial psalm today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 12. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and holy one of Israel. God indeed is my Savior. 
I am confident and unafraid. My strength and my courage is the Lord, and he has been my Savior. With joy you will draw water at the fountain of salvation. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and holy one of Israel. Give thanks to the Lord, acclaim his name. Among the nations make known his deeds. Proclaim how exalted is his name. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and holy one of Israel. Sing praise to the Lord for his glorious achievement. Let this be known throughout all the earth. Shout with exultation, O city of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and holy one of Israel. Today's second reading, because we are reading the Sunday reading, comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Your kindness should be known to all. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That reading comes from the book of Philippians chapter 4. Our gospel today comes from the gospel of Luke out of chapter 3. The crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? He said to them in reply, whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none, and whoever has food should do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what should we do? He answered them, Stop collecting more than what is prescribed. Soldiers also asked him, And what is it that we should do? He told them, Do not practice extortion. Do not falsely accuse anyone, and be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were filled with expectation, and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them all, saying, I am baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. Exhorting them in many other ways, he preached the good news to the people. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. Today, we're going to read out of church history. We're going to read from Thomas Akempis from The Imitation of Christ. And this reading deals with humility and peace. Do not care much who is with you and who is against you, but make it your greatest care that God is with you in everything you do. Have a good conscience, and God will defend you securely. No one can hurt you if God wishes to help you. If you know how to suffer in silence, you will surely receive God's help, since He knows best the time and the way to set you free. Resign yourself to Him. For God helps you and frees you from all confusion. It is often good for us and helps us to remain humble if others know our weaknesses and confront us with them. When a man humbles himself for his faults, he more easily pleases others and mollifies those he has angered. God protects and frees a humble man. 
He loves and consoles a humble man. He favors a humble man. He showers him with graces. Then, after his suffering, God raises him up to glory. He reveals his secrets to a humble man and in his kindness invitingly draws that man to himself. When a humble man is brought to confusion, he experiences peace because he stands firm in God and not in this world. Do not think that you have made any progress unless you feel that you are the lowest of all men. Above all things, keep peace within yourself. Then you will be able to create peace among others. It is better to be peaceful than learned. The passionate man often thinks evil of a good man and easily believes the worst. A good and peaceful man turns all things to good. A man who lives at peace suspects no one, but a man who is tense and agitated by evil is troubled with all kinds of suspicions. He is never at peace with himself, nor does he permit others to be at peace. He often speaks when he should be silent, and he fails to say what would be truly useful. He is well aware of the obligations of others, but neglects his own. So be zealous, first of all, with yourself. And then you will be more justified in expressing zeal for your neighbor. You are good at excusing and justifying your own deeds, and yet you will not listen to the excuses of others. It would be more just to accuse yourself and excuse your neighbor. If you wish others to put up with you, first put up with them. That reading comes from the book The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. And, you know, it's really easy to read that and go, oh, gosh, I know lots of people who should read that. And that goes completely against the reading, right? We're supposed to look at ourselves through that light and realize that we always have room to grow. We always have room to grow deeper in humility. And as we grow deeper in humility, we take on the title of that book. We take on The Imitation of Christ. And that is our goal. That is the foundation and the implication of our faith is to look more and more each day like Christ, to act more and more each day like Christ. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. Later in the show, we're going to be talking with Dale Alquist, president of the American Chesterton Society, about how to steward and care for the earth. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Thanks for sticking through the break. You're listening to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We've got a great show for you here on this uh, almost the third week of Advent. Gaudate is the week, Gaudate Sunday. It means joy. So here, even as we wait, we wait for the coming of Christ with joy. discussion today, we're going to be talking about how do we receive our king? How do we do this internally? How do we do this in uh, ushering his kingdom in here on earth? 
We've got a fabulous discussion today. We're going to be talking about stewardship and everyone runs for the room and changes the dial. No, not money, not money. That's okay. We're going to talk about stewardship of the earth uh, and looking at it through the lens of G.K. Chesterton. We're talking today, of course, with uh, the president of the American Chesterton Society, Dale Alquist, foremost expert on all things Chestertonian. Dale, thank you for being on the show today. Tim, thank you for inviting me. God bless you. All right, so we've talked just a little bit off the air uh, about Chesterton's vision of, of localism, of distributism, a couple of other things that we, we're going to just kind of explore today. Um, I'm always in, intrigued by Chesterton because here's a man who lived, uh, you know, at the turn of the previous century, nearly 100 years ago when he was writing, and he so concisely... Uh, hits to the heart of the issue. He's surgical in his precision with uh, with pointing us to problems that we face today. And, and I say surgical precision. I mean, he had a way with words. He would gab his way around a 30-minute speech, and then at the end of it, you understood what he was talking about. Uh, with such just a single sentence, ties everything together and really puts an arrow into the heart. And I'm always fascinated by how a uh, hundred years ago, he's pinpointing the problems we're facing today. Yeah, it's he has an amazing ability as a, as a prophet, uh, but he's a joyful prophet as opposed to a prophet that is a, a doom and gloom type of prophet. He's, he always has a message of hope. I think what's interesting is that uh, um, he, he does have a way of striking to the heart of an issue, and, and he's a, just a delight to read. His, his words uh, are so artistic and so delightful. However, when you mention something like distributism, that's when that's the other time people run for the uh, run for the dial to change the uh, right. the station. Uh, people like Chesterton, but for some reason, if you bring up distributism, they they get ornery. Yeah, well, you know, and, and that I think is part of the larger discussion we're going to have today is because we have so politicized all of our topics of conversation. We we know that there are two sides and only two sides to every discussion. And anything that doesn't fit within that, uh, we'll try to, you know, we'll try to put that square peg in that round hole and make it fit for our own, maybe our own uh, ability to categorize a topic. Uh, and, and so we don't look at a third perspective or a fifth perspective, as sometimes the case is, when really maybe the two sides that we have are not either one of them the correct side. Yeah, that's that's exactly the problem there. And if if someone doesn't completely agree with my side, then I automatically put him into a, a category that is the other side. Now, this as, is as if those are the only two choices. This is not a, a recent problem. I mean, Chesterton dealt with this a, a number of times himself, where throughout history, we like to be able to categorize our opponent in just such a way that we no longer have to listen to what they have to say. Uh, and he, by his softness, by his joy, was able to, and of course, this is, today we're doing the readings for the third Sunday of Advent. We're doing the joy week, so it fits to have the joyful prophet here in our discussion. But because of that joy, he was able to disarm uh, some of his opponents, or maybe people, maybe who wouldn't be opponents, but just wouldn't necessarily listen to Wally would have to say. Yeah, Chester can get people to listen because he uh, he is uh, charitable and he is eloquent. So there's there's both beauty and and truth and love 
Mm-hmm. Uh, all three of those things are, are present in his words. And I think that's what, uh, that's why he gains an audience usually. You know, last week we, we dealt with a very difficult topic dealing with uh, the abortion issue, specifically after the, the shootings that occurred in Colorado Springs and San Bernardino. Uh, this week, I wanted to talk about the, that principle, that theological principle of the already and the not yet, and how it applies to us and our stewardship of this earth. Uh, so, you know, people talk about climate change, and that's another thing that someone's going to run for the dial to turn it off, because we all have our mind made up about the political topic of climate change, whether it is uh, naturally occurring or whether it's anthropogenic, uh, man-made climate change. And so we're no longer listening to anyone that disagrees with us because we are so entrenched uh, that this is a political topic that we're we're ready to to stake our reputations on. And yet, I think that there's, like Chesterton would say, a third possibility that that renders the question of whether climate change is naturally occurring, whether it's man-made or whether it doesn't exist at all. It renders that question null and void. Uh, because the question is, how are we caring for the earth? What does our stewardship of the earth look like? Because this is not our world. It's the world created by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Uh, Before all time began, they spoke it into being, they formed it into being, and then they gave it to us, gave it to Adam to to tend, to tend the garden, to tend the earth. Uh, And so this is a problem that Chesterton dealt with in his day and age when he was looking, of course, this is Chestertonian, it's also uh, J.R.R. Tolkien dealt with it as well, this this idea of the Industrial Revolution and, and mastering the earth. And Chesterton, I think, had a very different vision. I see in him this idea that the earth, we, we te- tend the earth, and the earth nurtures us. It nurtures our soul. It nurtures our families. It provides for us. And this is kind of where that distributism comes out in him. Uh, and my first encounter with Chesterton was through his essay, Cheese, really short essay, in which he talks about the, the artisanship of localism. So I'm going to step out of the way and I want you to just kind of lay out for us a smorgasbord of Chesterton's understanding of, uh, of caring for the earth. Right. And at the very beginning, he transcends the, the two categories that we, uh, we tend to, to uh, put ourselves in and stick ourselves in and stick the other people in. Because on the one hand, you, you do have the people who, uh, who think that any human action at all is a blemish on the beautiful skin of Mother Nature, mm-hmm. and that uh, you know that the the natural world would be just perfect if there were no people in it? Uh, that's one extreme. The other extreme is is simply the um, uh, put another log on the fire, uh, <laughs> folks. That uh, you know because we can have whatever we want and as much as we want, whatever we want it, and for as long as we want it. Uh, mm-hmm. That that nature's a, a bottomless well. And uh, a bottomless oil well at that. So, so th- those are the two extremes. And, and Chesterton really does get away from uh, letting himself fall into either of those categories by, you know, suspiciously speaking in common sense. Because it's he says it's always an idea of balance and proportion. He says you know the whole essence of beauty is perfect proportion. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so when we when we take that principle and apply it to the earth, 
on the one hand, he says we have to treat the earth with um, a certain amount of restraint and respect, he says. But then on the other hand, a certain amount of energy and mastery. We, we have both of, those, uh, both of those attitudes at once. Once that we that we have to treat the earth with, and, and he he also uh, says, you know, what what we call nature, he says, the wiser of us call creation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very important to get away from that mother nature metaphor and rather look at it as as God's handiwork, uh, because he, he, wonderful uh, line from Orthodoxy where he says, nature is not our mother, nature is our sister, because we both have the same father. Wow. And, and if you treat nature as your sister, you have a different, you, you certainly treat it with respect and care and joy, but she has no authority over you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's, that's an important distinction. Um, and so, uh, you know, what is what is the point of, uh, um, of taking care of the earth? The, the point of taking care of the earth is that it's an act of love for our neighbor, for, for other humans. Right. Um, you love you love your neighbor by by not polluting his water and not polluting his air. Uh, that's an act of love for your neighbor. It's it's also an act of love for your neighbor that hasn't been born yet. Um, you, you have to love the neighbor of the future, and I think uh, you know that that's something that the church teaches that really no one else teaches is that we we really have a debt to pay to the people who come after us. We we have an obligation to them. Right. You know, I, I think of this in terms of before I was Catholic, I had this view of uh, of my neighbor as being the 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 least and the lost and the the of my own community, right? That the, the my neighbor was nearby me, and when I became Catholic, I started to see uh, my my family as being the whole family of Earth, and so. You know, I think that's a problem we have when we read encyclicals today in in the American church is that we read them as if everything in them is responding directly to us. And so we read this idea of uh, not enough parks and, you know, we've got a park on every corner. What are you talking about? Not enough parks. That's just that's just tree hugger language. And and yet I've come to to this idea of uh, the plastic that I use today. Uh, of course, it can be a very useful thing, but there's there's a, such a thing as too much of it. The plastic I use today is going to end up in a slum somewhere or in the ocean somewhere uh, that may affect the the livelihood of other people. Right? You've got the the slums in Rio that are the basically people living in, uh, or maybe it's not Rio, but somewhere you you've got these people who are living in garbage dumps that are burning all the time. Yeah, Philippines. Yeah, the Philippines. And so this idea that what I do matters, and do I really need a plastic bag, uh, a plastic container with handles to carry the the milk that comes in a plastic container with handles, right? Do I need plastic to carry my plastic that carries the thing that I'm buying? So it's, it's not necessarily getting rid of all plastic, not getting rid of everything that may be useful, but thinking through... Uh, rather than just going with societal convention, what do I actually need and how can I better steward the the things that I have, uh, still getting what I need, but stewarding the environment? Well, we're going to continue this conversation right after this break. Why don't you join it? Join our conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Weigh in with your thoughts here on this third week of Advent. The week of joy. Let Earth receive. 
When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Dale Alquist, president of the American Chesterton Society. Stay tuned. Timothy Putnam. We're talking today with Dale Alquist, president of the American Chesterton Society, foremost authority on all things Chestertonian. And we're talking about stewardship, stewarding the earth, caring for the earth, uh, a topic that was uh, near and dear to the the mind and, and thoughts of Chesterton, as well as near and dear to my own heart. Uh, what are your thoughts? Join us over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter, the handles at Outside the Walls. I know you've got an opinion. Everybody does. Come over and weigh in on the conversation. Uh, Dale, right before the break, we were talking about um, how best to steward the earth in terms of caring for our neighbor, not necessarily the neighbor that lives next door or even uh, further down the street or within our own state even, but our our neighbor somewhere else, somewhere in this earth, our, our participant, our fellow creation. Uh, let's continue in that, that vein. Again, it, it, we, we care for the earth because we care for our neighbor. It's, it's, we, we, we love um, creation because creation was the home uh, given to us by God and uh, for our enjoyment, for our use and for our edification and, and so the reason we take care of the earth is because we are taking care of our neighbor. We, we, we show our expression of love for God and for our neighbor by just a, a good use of, of creation. The, the big arguments we get into with, with folks regarding things like climate change is that we, we are not addressing what the ultimate goal is. Uh, and uh, it's, it's to love God and love each other. That's the ultimate goal. Right. And, uh, you know, Chesterton says, his great way of putting it, he says... Um, the earth is not even the earth without heaven. It's a great, great line. Uh, he says, just like a landscape is not a landscape without the sky. Yeah. And he says, in a universe without God, there is not room enough for man. Now, that is one of those absolutely rich, dripping, profound uh, lines of Chesterton. A universe without God, there is not enough room for man. Because I think one of the most baffling aspects of the environmental movement is is its hatred of people. Right. That that pe- people are somehow a plague on the earth, and you no, know, that we we take care of the earth because it's a benefit to people. We want to take care of people. That's that is our goal: is to take care of our fellow man, of our brothers and sisters, and and that's the reason for taking care of the earth. Let's talk about this a little bit in terms of solutions, uh, because I think Chesterton gave us some excellent solutions to this question. Uh, and what I'm mainly thinking of is his drive toward localism. Yes. Uh, and he, he wanted localism everywhere. He talked about keeping the politicians close enough to kick them, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. He, he talked about doing everything as much as you can uh, within the confines of, of your own local community. That's what he gets to in the question in the, uh, the essay cheese that I brought up earlier. Of course, we've got that linked on our social media, uh, but he talks about this in terms of you know, making sure that we enjoy and keep autonomous and not homogenized uh, and same everywhere. You know, we've got the, the mom and pop stores and then you've got the big chains and we all go to the chains cause we know what to expect, but he's talking about the artistry that we find 
locally that you lose when everything becomes homogenized. Yes. And, you know, that that fits right into loving your neighbor because, um, you know, in, in Chesterton's ideal uh, social system where you have many small businesses and, and certainly the, the work of the artisan, you you really are taking care of your neighbor by supporting his work. Uh, you know, the local the local dairy farmer, the local cheesemaker, the local wood carver, um, the local mechanic, uh, that is loving your neighbor by keeping your dollars local and in the community rather than uh, if you put them into the chain store, your dollars fly out of the community. Right. And uh, it's part of uh, his very uh, integrated thinking. Uh, yeah, you, you, there's there's more local flavors to enjoy than uh, than the... Uh, uniform uh, imported flavors that we're forced to uh, to get because uh, because we we confine ourselves to the chain stores and to the to the uniformity of uh, of decisions that are made far away from us right so to that point uh, I I was a, an attendee of the Oklahoma City Chesterton Society uh, of course there are Chesterton societies all over the United States and you can find out more about those at chesterton.org uh, but at this specific one, this was the, my first encounter with Chesterton. We read cheese, and the uh, the presider brought all of these amazing fancy cheeses from. Of course, his was ju- were just from Whole Foods, so it was still somewhat uh, prepackaged. But it was more than just you know what I was used to going to, to Target and picking up the the block of uh, Colby Jack, uh, and. <laughs> And, you know, he's like, okay, well, and you have to cut the cheese just right. And he's doing all of these um, connoisseur kind of things. And I'm looking at this, never having experienced cheese in this way before. Uh, and and so having that experience and tasting different cheeses and, and experiencing a little bit of what was meant by the differences of locale and the differences of artisanship. And, and I get to that line about uh, modern the modern convention, going to a fancy restaurant and getting, yes, it was cheese, but it cut up in contemptibly small pieces and spread on a biscuit instead of on Christian bread. And I do, I get this sense of, you know, we, for the sake of uh, maybe economy, for the sake of um, what we can get more cheaply, uh, and maybe even trying to be good stewards of our family, we miss the fact that we're no longer being good stewards of the broader community, no longer being good stewards of the broader neighbor and even planet because we're so focused on individualism. And by doing that, we contribute to globalism, which I think is rather interesting. Well, it's also because we've made uh, convenience one of our gods. Um, you know, Chester has that great line. He says, an inconvenience is only an adventure uh, wrongly considered, and an adventure is an inconvenience rightly considered. And uh, we just want to avoid any any extra effort, any extra work, even any extra thought. We, we really are, uh, Chester says, ad- adopting a slave mentality. Hmm. We're letting other people make our decisions for us and uh, letting them do our thinking for us rather than doing more things for ourselves. And sometimes that means more work, but with the extra effort comes more enjoyment. You know, this is an interesting point. Uh, since we're here in the third week of Advent, where Christmas is almost upon us, uh, the idea that Christmas has now become a consumer holiday that we all fully participate in, right? Everybody's got like 50 presents under the tree because the, the goal is to make Christmas as uh, big a production as possible. 
Uh, and we've started in our family, one, realizing that we don't have the means to do that. And so we've started doing three presents. Every kid gets three presents. You get a gold present, which is a toy that you would like and would like to play with, a frankincense present, which is something for your spiritual development, and a myrrh present, which is something for the body, which generally ends up being footy pajamas or the like, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And you know what? My kids are perfectly happy. In fact, every year, probably about twice a year, we go through the playroom and say, what aren't we playing with? What can we put away and wait for another child down the road? And what can we give to Catholic charities? What can we just give away because we're not using it anymore? And the simple life, one, it's a lot simpler, <laughs> right? Yes. It's, it's a lot less stressful. Uh, and, and, but it's a lot more neglected. You know, we've got this idea that we have to be good consumers. We have to get the best possible deal. So we have to buy it from a big company and not a mom and pop. Right. Uh, and, but we have to get as much as is humanly possible and, and leverage ourselves in debt to do it. Just the opposite of what Chesterton calls the romance of thrift. Hmm. It's, it is, it is more romantic to take a limited means and make the most of what you can out of, just those limited resources rather than, uh, you know, just gobble up as many resources as you can. Right. So I encourage all my listeners uh, to go someplace for Christmas, go to a local shop, find an artisan. Maybe, maybe if you've already got all your Christmas presents, do it for the Christmas meal, go to, to, to a local shop and not to the big box stores. Uh, and, Maybe you won't be able to get quite as much, and yet you'll be supporting your neighbor. You'll be a good steward of the earth because when you buy local, there's not as much energy required to move it and to produce it, right? Uh, it's, and, and you'll be participating in the whole human family in your own corner of the world, right? Exactly. Well, we're talking today with Dale Alquist, president of the American Chesterton Society. And if you've never read Chesterton, now's your chance. Go to Chesterton.org. There's lots of blogs, lots of books that you can find. And Dale, you've written a couple of introductions to Chesterton. Why don't you just throw out a couple of titles and give us a sense of what those books are, how someone would approach Chesterton for the first time. Yeah, there's one called uh, The Apostle of Common Sense. It's a good basic introduction to Chesterton. And then there's one that I've written called uh, Common Sense 101, Lessons from G.K. Chesterton, which is uh, taking Chesterton by his his different ideas and by the themes that he writes about. But I'd also recommend a, a book I wrote called uh, The Complete Thinker, The, the Mind of, of Chesterton. And there's two chapters in there that really touch on what we've been talking about today, Timothy. Uh, there's one on called The Universe and Other Little Things that talks about our care for the earth, the very subject that we're discussing here. And then uh, there's a, an article on, or a, an essay in there on distributism called Buying and Selling. And uh, it's, it, it really touches these things. It, it'll, get, it'll get people to really open up their, their mind towards something they think they've already got figured out, and they'll discover that they don't, that Chesterton will give them a much broader understanding of, uh, uh, of some things that, uh, that we, we tend to become very narrow about. Well, head on over to Chesterton.org for great articles, great essays, great books. 
and much, much more information about a local Chesterton society where you can go read and discuss the works of G.K. Chesterton, a fantastic mind, a joyful prophet. We're talking today with Dale Alquist, president of the American Chesterton Society, an expert on all things Chestertonian, specifically about Chesterton's view of caring for the earth and his view of economics called distributism. Much, much more. Stay tuned. We're going to continue this conversation with Dale Alquist right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. Thanks for sticking through the break. We're talking today with... Dale Alquist, president of the American Chesterton Society, here on this third week of Advent, a week of joy, talking about the the apostle of common sense, the joyful prophet, G.K. Chesterton. We're also talking about stewardship, taking care of the earth, taking care of our neighbor, love of God and love of neighbor being the center of everything that we do. Well, we've just got a few more minutes left. Talk to us a little bit about this idea of distributism. We mentioned it right at the very beginning of the show and mentioned that it's something that people tend to run away from, uh, but it's a political philosophy, an economic philosophy built on a papal encyclical. How many people can say that about their economic theory, right? Uh, and it's the the encyclical Rerum Novarum. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth, eighteen ninety one, and uh, he had one phrase in there that says justice should be distributive. It should be, in other words, everyone is entitled to, to justice. And from that one phrase, uh, Chesterton and his great friend and colleague Hilaire Belloc came up with the unfortunate name distributism because everyone <laughs> misunderstands what it means. But I think the best way to explain it, Timothy, is the uh, Whereas, you know, capitalism, all of it, it, it its focus, its interest is on the uh, the individual. Mm-hmm. And uh, socialism is based on the interests of the community. Distributism is based on the interests of the family. That it recognizes that the family is the basic unit of society, not the individual and not the community. That right. uh, if we take care of our families and um, focus on the needs of the family, if the nation itself, the society cares about the family, you will have a strong society. It'll be well provided for because uh, individual interests can undermine the family and so can uh, the state's interests undermine the family. And both of those are trying to uh, overreach and uh, you know, take a, take a higher position of authority than, than the authority of, of mother and father and uh, in that basic unit. Uh, and so distributors is, is, is family economics. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. And that's why it emphasizes uh, s- small business and, and local control and uh, autonomy. Uh, Chesterton says the opposite of employment is not unemployment. The opposite of employment is independence. And uh, if less of us were wage slaves and, and more of us were independent, we, we would actually uh, have a more stable economy and a more stable society. Now, you're going to have to, to help me through this because I'm, I've got a very loose quote uh, and you're going to know where it's from. <laughs> <laughs> but 
he, he talks about he's addressing this idea of the collapse of society. And he says the collapse of society did not occur when women left the home to work, uh, as some would say. And he was responding to rather it happened when men left the home to go and work when they went to the factories. Yeah, that, that's his whole point about wage slavery is that it it, it breaks up families. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, yeah, he absolutely lamented when, when women left the, the home. But he said the problem was already there when when men had left the home, uh, because if uh, one or both parents leave the home, there's no family anymore. So, I mean, someone else is raising the children. Usually he says that'll be the state right. that steps in and, and takes that role. And uh, and so uh, any any system that relies on parents working outside of the home is going to be devastating yeah. for the family. That, that's a huge idea that we need to grapple with. So if someone has their ears perked up and they want to grapple with that, what's the best introduction to distributism that you can give someone put in their hands uh, for them to begin wrestling with that? And maybe maybe God's calling them to launch out into entrepreneurship and getting back into small business, back into the home. Uh, how would they approach this topic of distributism? Yeah, there's there's two two or three sources I could recommend. One is the book I already mentioned called um the Complete Thinker. There's a great essay in there that introduces people to distributism. It's called Buying and Selling, The Complete Thinker that, that I wrote, The Marvelous Mind of G.K. Chesterton. Another book that the American Chesterton Society publishes is called The Hound of Distributism, a really good introduction to distributism. Short essays, including a couple essays by Chesterton himself. It's a very accessible book, um, and that's available on our website at chesterton.org. And then go to the uh, distributistreview.org, the Distributist Review is a, a website or a web magazine that has uh, bountiful essays on distributism. Now, let's say that someone's introduced to Chesterton for the first time today. We've given them books. We've told them about essays. They know to go to Chesterton.org. Uh, they want to join a Chesterton society, and they go to the website, Chesterton.org. They look up the maps, and there's not one local. How do they help start a Chesterton Society. Uh, starting a local Chesterton Society is one of the easiest and most fruitful things you can do. Uh, it, anyone who started one has been blessed by it, uh, but we will help you. Contact us. We can give you the names of some contacts in your area and uh, help you get the you know the, the layout to get an initial meeting started, and then uh, the seed is planted and the thing starts to grow. It's a very easy to do. It's just basically a group of people that meet on a regular basis and read and discuss and laugh. Yeah. And generally it's best done, uh, at least the societies that I've been involved in, it's best done uh, in a smoky pub over a dark ale uh, with uh, great laughter. Right. Yeah. Something to drink, I think, is a really (laughs) essential part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Dale, thank you so much for being a part of Outside the Walls today uh, and for joining and helping us, guiding us through that conversation. It was a blessing for me as well, Timothy. Thank you. Of course, we've been talking with Dale Alquist, the president of the American Chesterton Society, uh, authority on all things Chestertonian. If you missed any part of this conversation, well, it's all archived on OutsideTheWalls.com. You can also get it in your normal podcast uh, aggregator. 
You can find it on the iTunes store, OutsideTheWalls.com. Share it with your friends. You still have time to win a copy of the CD that we've pulled our bumper music from this advent. All you need to do is go over to Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls, find the post about the giveaway, and tell me what your favorite Christmas carol is. We'll pick a winner from the answers. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.